Hey, Cabo. This is uh, Ifa Shaliwa, Born Divine. We're speaking again with Awo Falokun. Aburu Abuye Aboshishe Baba. Agboto, it's always a pleasure to have conversations with you. I'm looking forward to uh, dialoguing some important issues and topics. Uh, as is my habit before I start, I would like to uh, honor the ancestors by saying, A gungun kiki, a gungun, a gungun, a gungun, a wolf wall poipe, Odaso Bokunle wall, a gunde be a bafa toy now, a ire lona ipomi a wall room. So I'm asking the ancestors to spread their mat of unconditional love and uh, guide us to uh, our blessings in the land of the immortals, I say. I say. Yes, listen, my first thought is this, and uh, we need to start by identifying the impact of the election before we suggest maybe ways to deal with our reaction to it. People are traumatized by the election. People are seriously traumatized. It feels to many, and I think rightly so, like an assertion of uh, white privilege and a mm, kind of rolling back of any progress that's been made over the past few decades with regard to multiculturalism, tolerance, and a sense of justice for all. Whether that's true or not remains to be seen, but the truth is people are feeling that. And that feeling of disappointment, despair, uh, literally uh, psychic attack and disappointment needs to be addressed directly. And that is not, in my opinion, regardless of what uh, the next president does in office, those feelings are predicated on a really nasty, vicious dialogue during the presidential election, the winner of the election used language that I just find unacceptable, inappropriate, and uh, intolerable in any time. Uh, I can say without fear of hesitation that if I had spoken that way in the earshot of my father, there would have been uh, severe repercussions. He simply did not tolerate that. That was the way I was raised to never denigrate anybody, never call anybody out a name. Uh, and, you know, the problem was really compounded by the fact that uh, Trump would say things and then he'd have all his surrogates running around the news saying that's not what he meant, which, in my opinion, all but destroys the English language. If we can't have a collective coming together of what words mean, the possibility of working together to... Uh, get anything done is beyond hopeless. And so, you know, that's a source of concern. I mean, we're really in a in a period of history where people are calling black red and red black, and it's hard to sort through that to get some sense of connection with any uh, real effort to improve our lives. And, and uh, that's always going to cause confusion and despair. And despair is one of the most difficult and powerful emotions to deal with uh, because uh, when you lose hope, there's no implications for your actions. And, and we're dancing dangerously close to that. You know, so the, uh, in fact, let me just tell this one story. I had a lot of calls and emails yesterday. One of the elder mothers of our family called me to say that on the day that Trump was elected, a white man called her daughter using a racial slur, and she'd never experienced that, or rarely experienced it. And for her, it was just a really strong indicator of the shift, the idea that he had permission because of the change of political climate to do that. Mm -hmm. 
it was almost too much for her. She was definitely uh, traumatized because as a parent, when the issue of being able to protect your children becomes challenged, you've got some serious, serious uh, wounds that uh, cannot be ignored. They absolutely have to be addressed. And uh, I'm fearful that they won't be addressed because the current administration doesn't seem to have the empathy or the understanding to really grasp the impact of how they've comported themselves. And uh, they certainly don't have any indication of a willingness to admit to a mistake. You know, and that becomes, you know, that becomes problematic with regard to the presidency itself, but it becomes extremely problematic with regard to issues like police brutality. If you can't admit that you made a mistake or that anyone in your administration made a mistake or anybody that is asserting white power makes a mistake, mm-hmm. then we've got a no-win, no-growth, no-resolution circumstance that only gets worse over time. And that, that is problematic that concerns me and it's a source of what I uh, believe is a need to come together to, as best we can, look for real solutions. Now, you know, I do, I'm a bit old school, and again, part of my home training, you know, there's a kind of a a tradition of honoring the office of president. There's Mm -hmm. also a tradition of honoring the presidency, and there's also a tradition of honoring the will of the people. I get that. And we need to never let go of that idea in the sense of, you know, we do have a structure for change. Uh, in four years, if things go as badly as I fear they might, we have the opportunity to correct and uh, reboot and uh, change direction. So the issue becomes uh, how do we move forward on the sh- short term? But before I address that, I want to say briefly, and this is, I I have mixed feelings about saying this, because having grown up as what I would call an insider among the political elite, I know how bad things really are in my opinion. And and I know to what extent people I grew up with are capable of self-serving actions that are really beyond despicable, okay? And having said that, mm, without going into a lot of detail maybe. Uh, you can ask me questions if you want about what I'm about to say. But I'm, I'm going to suggest something that people rarely hear about, talk about, or even realize that I really, really believe is true. And follow me on this. There's no doubt in my mind that 9-11 was a neocon false flag operation designed to mobilize the American people for a war in the Middle East that otherwise had no real basis and that war was all about taking control of oil. Uh Uh, So in other words, what I'm saying, uh, and and listen, the evidence is there to support it, that the attacks on the Trade Center in New York were not engineered by some person in a cave in Afghanistan. That never happened. Sorry, that's just, uh, that's even hard to believe that anybody would float that story. But uh, what I'm saying is neocon, meaning neoconservative forces within our government, engineered that event and made it look like forces from the Middle East were responsible. So the thing that I want to say that most people are not aware of, that event engineered by the neocons was hijacked by an even more sinister force who on that day had the intention of starting World War III. And we have to, as much as I don't like George Bush, as much as I just uh, he makes my skin crawl, we have to at some point historically 
acknowledge and honor the fact that he went out of his way to stop World War III when he peeped what was going. He personally flew to NORAD, the headquarters for military, and he said, do not take any order from anybody unless it comes from my mouth, and I'm standing here now. You can speak to me directly. That was a remarkable thing that he did, and it's the reason why he hasn't said spit since then, because he doesn't want to be the person uh, who reveals the depths of the conspiracies that are going on around us, and he realizes that if he does, I'm sure it puts his own life in jeopardy. So we have a level of deception, greed, manipulation, control, and uh, really inappropriate behavior that's almost beyond imagine, imagination. And the reason I hesitate to say that is things are bad enough. I don't want to make people more depressed. But, you know, on some level, we have to call black, black, and red, red, and stop calling red, black, and black, red. We have to uh, change the muffler when the muffler is broken and not the carburetor and take a hard look at really what's going on so that we can become firm in our commitment to do what we can to create a better world, okay? Mm -hmm. So having said that about 9-11, I'm going to say this about that. President Obama's had his hands tied. Uh, he wasn't able to do any of the things that I think he wanted to do. Uh, he's clearly... Mm, a statesman and a man speaking of words of great healing and uh, great unification that uh, he will always be admired for that and uh, the gift that I hope that he continues to use to keep the country headed in the right direction. But the reason, the reason Obama got so much uh, resistance in from the conservative members of uh, government was because he really put the brakes on the the effort uh, to really escalate the war in the Middle East. It was a big war. We've been fighting a long time, but there are plans among the neocons to make that war even more ferocious. To his credit, behind the scenes, without being able to really take credit for it, Obama has been a shield between us and the forces of evil that really want to slash and burn parts of this country in which there's just no justification for that. Mm -hmm. So, which leads me to my next and final point before I move towards the solution. The neocons who brought us the false flag uh, under the Bush administration is a particular group of people and when we look this morning on the news and see Trump's choices for uh, cabinet members and support team, those neocon choices are back on his list. They're back in play, and they represent um, a force for evil that we can't even begin to imagine. So, you know, I think this is really a pivotal time in uh, American history, and a time when we need to take very, very seriously uh, how we treat each other as human beings. So the, uh, um, uh, the point I want to make is this. Ultimately, all politics is local politics, right? So no matter what divisive and inappropriate and I would call unfair and unjust laws the current administration chooses to advocate, on a local level, we can counter that effect. You know, we have, uh, uh, we have amnesty cities where the enforcement against deportation does not occur based on city politics and the instructions from mayors, the police department. We, we have the right to really demand
demand that local police departments be accountable to the to the to the residents of a given city, not the country of a given city, with regard to their policies and how they behave. We need to absolutely take the power of investigating police brutality from police officers and put it in the hands of civilians. That's a no-brainer. And again, that's an issue of local politics, not national politics. Uh, uh, I really fear, you know, uh, Trump, as we speak, is making up a list of all the um, presidential uh, executive orders that he's going to negate in his first day in office. You know, a healthy number of those uh, executive orders dealt with the issue of ensuring that the uh, gay community are supported in getting the rights that they deserve as uh, U.S. citizens under the Constitution. Those are gone, you know. Healthcare is gone. Uh, uh, attempts to modify and regulate and, and supervise the administration of justice and police departments by the Justice Department, that's gone. You know, any uh, active investigation of uh, corruption within the Defense Department, that's gone. You know, those things are just not going to happen. So when I say all politics is local politics, it really, really starts the minute you walk out of the door. You know, we have to, we don't have to. I'm suggesting that it would be good if we honored the uh, taboos of behavior in public and among uh, people of the world that is the foundation of our faith and Ephah, do not denigrate other people. You know, we have reason to be mad at the policies, but we need to seriously consider the implications of being mad at the people who supported the president uh, mm -hmm. currently. You know, uh, and here's why. Here's what Ephah says about that. When you call a person out of name, you start a war around which there is never a resolution. That's a wound that runs deeply that is almost impossible, if not impossible, to fix. So you need to really, really, really think twice before you create an enemy. Because creating an enemy is closing the door to any kind of future resolution of issues that were conflicted by at this point, largely because of social conditioning, brainwashing, and nonsense. I mean, the biggest brainwashing uh, influence on American culture in the last 20 years has been reality TV. And now we've got a reality TV star elected to president. Why should that be a surprise to anybody? You know, that should not be a surprise to anybody. I expect to wake up tomorrow and see that Kim Kardashian is redecorating the White House. You know, that's the reality that we've tolerated for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you pay a price for those kind of things because reality is predicated on ambushing people, denigrating people, creating conflict, you know, hair pulling, backstabbing, backbiting, uh, just horrific behavior between people that's unacceptable in any context. And if we're using that model as a source of entertainment, how is it not going to manifest in the political arena? It's just, it, it, that doesn't even compute as a possibility. So uh, in really, really simple terms, what I'm suggesting is we can fix this by first and foremost not denigrating the other ever for any reason. You can challenge a person's behavior but not their persona. You can challenge uh, the effects of their actions but not their character. You can challenge... Uh, a person's ideas by disagreeing and presenting a alternative argument, but you cannot argue that the idea is wrong because the person who expresses the idea is an asshole. 
that just doesn't work. That doesn't that doesn't further the conversation. I can't tell you how many times in social media people have disagreed with me by denigrating my character. Okay, let's assume all those horrible things that people say about me are true. You still haven't addressed the idea that I proposed. We're still not dialoguing the dialoguing the concept that I'm putting on the table for discussion. You know, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, and so uh, consequently, there's no there's no real dialoguing a difference of ideas is how as human beings we come to understand each other. Uh, uh, and understanding each other is the source of empathy and the and empathy is the source of finding common solutions that we can join hands around and move forward you know uh, uh, as misguided as I might think many Trump supporters are the truth is Virtually all of them just want to find a better way to get through the day. That's all I want to do. We want to find a way to get along. We want to find a way to feel safe. We want to see, find a way that we can honestly and, and and clearly protect our families, our loved ones, uh, find a way that we can earn decent living so that we can uh, uh, not have to be in a constant state of stress around survival issues. Those are all common themes, all right? Now, we have different ideas about how to accomplish those things. But if you're not going to dialogue the content of the ideas and simply denigrate the conversation to uh, calling people's names, then there's no possibility of solution ever. And the reason uh, there's so much money available for reality TV and the idea of denigrating others is because denigrating others is the basis of the age-old political tactic of divide and conquer. If you and I are arguing, nothing's getting done, and the people who control things are just moving ahead with their agenda. Um, um, you know, as a country, we still haven't addressed the issue that we're still under martial law from 9-11. The Constitution is not at play. You know, uh, that's the death of democracy as we know it. And there's absolutely no political collective effort to rectify that. You know, we were sold the bill of goods that because we were attacked by uh, terrorists in Afghanistan and the and the World Trade Center collapsed that we needed to give up all our constitutional rights in order to be protected. Well, I doubt that that's true, and I don't feel like we were protected. So what was the point? And uh, um, it's true the Constitution wasn't inclusive when it was originally written, and I get that. And, uh, we need to do atonement for that. That's a, maybe a different issue for another day. But the, regardless of that uh, caveat, uh, as somebody who worked in the uh, legal profession for many years, I can say that as systems of justice go around the planet, the Constitution was a pretty good effort at trying to create uh, fairness uh, within uh, the legal arena of how people relate to one another. And it was certainly a document worthy of preservation. It's gone. It's out the window. It no longer applies. And we, 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 we haven't even mourned the loss, let alone considered the implications of the alternative that was provided for us and have made no effort to reinstate something that served us well for many, many years. People need to reach out to one another. We need to come together as communities and stop arguing over these nonsensical issues. We need to get past all that 
and come mm-hmm. together as communities to first and foremost create a safe space where people can grieve their uh, loss of safety as a result of the shift in politics here in this country. You think this will help to tear down some of these walls of separation between the Ifa community as well as the, the, the community in the world in general? What I'm saying is that right now, here today, uh, in this conversation, I'm invoking that as a community we do that. I'm asking us to do that. I'm mm-hmm. supporting that process, and I'm saying that, you know, if, if, if the whole process of divination teaches us one thing, people seem think, sometimes think it's a fortune-telling uh, mechanism. It's not. It's a problem-solving uh, tool. So if we look at Odu Ifa, what it says is if you do A, B, and C, then mm-hmm. B is the result. If you don't do A, B, and C, then D will not come to pass. So that's not a fortune-telling mechanism. That's merely saying, make a plan, work the plan, the plan will result in uh, in this goal. What I'm saying absolutely is we got two choices. We can come together as a community and uh, grieve uh, the loss of uh, safety and security. We can come together as a community and... uh, 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 really express our disappointment, our fear, our uh, insecurities, our depression, our despair, our concerns about our children. We need to talk those things out so that we we don't carry them around with us. Because if we don't release them in in a cleansing ritual situation, the fact that we're carrying them means that we're easily triggered as a group. And when you're easily triggered as a group, you can be manipulated to walk down the path you never want to walk down. So uh, we need to clean those things away so that we can approach the the issue of how do we move forward from a place of complete center. And the center is never accessible as long as you're carrying emotional, I call it baggage, but let's call it emotional stress that uh, is counterproductive to maintaining your connection to spirit. So once we've uh, come together to release that uh, emotional baggage, then we need to start at ground zero and make sure, this is going to sound simple, but we need to make sure that every time we see somebody in the street do something of value, that we acknowledge it, that we compliment it, and that we uh, use the power of the word to reinforce the idea that that person should do that same thing again. Uh, we should, uh, you know, acknowledge our children. We should support them and praise them and and let them know that their love supported them, being given guidance by uh more so by our actions. Children don't learn from words. Children learn from watching how adults behave. And uh, we need to be really, really conscious, careful, and uh, clear-headed about what it is we're teaching, especially if we're allowing the anger of the moment to influence our behavior. You know, one of the things that I think Ifa is most clear about is we are not our emotions. Our emotions are merely indicators of uh, how we're fitting into the world around us. But we use those indicators to return to our center and fix what's broken. We don't become so identified with the emotions that they consume us. And when, once we're consumed by our emotions, then we lose the ability of critical self-evaluation. They're really the essential ability from an EFA perspective of being able to correct their own behavior, and then we turn to the idea that we feel badly because someone else did it to us. We blame others. We want to um, find a scapegoat or somebody that uh, we can project our confusion onto without having to do the work of admitting we need to change, grow, and uh, elevate. You know, uh, IFA is, a, is, is 
unique among the world religions, I believe, because we have no martyrs, we have no victims, and we have an absolute taboo on blaming others for anything. You know, racism, sexism, and homophobia are real cultural phenomena that cause pain to people on a daily basis. But what remains in our control is our ability to react to those things in a way that serves us and elevates us or in a way that keeps us stuck. And, you know, I've been blessed to travel a lot in 30 years, and I've seen the ways in which social conditioning, uh, what I call reality TV consciousness, has influenced the theological perspective of our faith. That ain't good. That just is not good. We need to step outside that conditioning and reclaim the fundamental perspective that was taught to us by the prophet Arumila and that was preserved by the wisdom of the ancestors. Otherwise, the great, great, great sacrifice they made to preserve that wisdom, especially in the diaspora, was uh, for nothing because the, the message is lost in an overlay that is uh, deliberate and direct. Listen, if you don't ever believe anything I say about anything, know this. I grew up among people who were masters of the ritual use of manipulation and control. They know their stuff and they're good at it. And their intentions are self-serving and I would say evil. And uh, unless we match their intensity, intent, and persistence and discipline, we're going to be no match for their efforts. And uh, I don't see anything even approaching the level of sophistication they're using to keep us uh, divided and conquered. And uh, I, all I can do is pray and hope that one day we start to see the value of an alternative approach. The amazing thing about Ifan, the amazing thing about the wisdom of the ancestors, they gave us a roadmap of how to walk that walk. That roadmap is really simple. It's really clear. It requires discipline and focus and study. But the roadmap is this. We wake up every morning, we do divination, we find out how to put our head and heart in alignment, we find out how we can become better people individually, we find out what it is, the lesson we need to learn today to be of good character, we focus our attention uh, on living in harmony with the uh, world around us, and then we step out in the world being in the present, not being influenced by past upset and not by being worried about the future. Those are the two things that are manipulated to keep us off of message and out of focus. So we, we, we wake up in the morning, we start our day from a place of being centered, you know. We literally, mm-hmm. if, you look at, if you look at the Ifa prayer, we literally start the day by thanking God for creation. Oh, pray me for an old room. My blessings come from the Creator. We thank the spirit of the womb of the rainbow for creating the four directions that allow us to have a life. Understand? I mean, that, that, when you start your day in, in that that profound sense of reverence and grateful, that you know, it's going to sound silly, but what that prayer is saying is, thank God there's something instead of nothing, otherwise I'd have no life. And right. so to take that reality and honor it in the world then becomes our spiritual obligation. So once we've done the daily prayer, every four days, then we do a daily prayer and we do a prayer, excuse me, we do daily divination. And every four days, in addition to the daily divination for ourselves personally, we do divination for the entire family, giving our family, our biological family, meaning the people we live with, sometimes our extended family or whatever the configuration of your living situation is, people who share a space 
come mm-hmm. together every uh, four days to find out how, as a unit, we can function in a way that's supportive of life. That's not a complicated idea. Family friction and tensions is an ongoing process. And to have the great blessing of Odu Ifa to show us the way, I mean, that's a gift. And, 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 and if we're not using the gift, we're throwing it away. And, you know, what's the point? You know, uh, Baba Medahoshi, who was a great friend and great inspiration, used to like to say, you know, we've got the tools to fix things, but we're taking those uh, tools and we're putting them on the floor in the bathroom. You know, we need to elevate them and, and, and make them real and use them in a positive way the road to solution. Daily prayer every day of your life. Daily prayer. In addition, every four days, daily prayer and prayer for the uh, elevation of your uh, of your immediate family. Every 16 days, the egg bay that you're a part of comes together. Everybody that has a similar destiny by virtue of their Arisha initiation or E5 initiation or whatever, uh, uh, you know, there's a component to Ifa and Orisha worship that's largely ignored in uh, the diaspora because of the structure of our culture, sort of. But uh, Orisha Agbe is essentially a spiritual component to practical job, you know. So if you're in Ogun, you go to every 16 days, you meet with other blacksmiths to learn, honor, and revitalize the process of making tools in a sacred way mm-hmm. uh you know if you're um if you're a yamaya you meet with other women around the issue of uh maintaining healthy child care within the community in other words ifa promotes the notion that every every kind of profession vocation or job as you can imagine comes with the necessity obligation and possibility of support the spiritual realm you know and so every 16 days in traditional Yoruba culture where the villages are still intact in a traditional way, people that share a common communal function essentially uh, come together to make sure they're doing their job. So, you know, what that looks like uh, in, let's say, life in America in the year 2016 is if you have an extended family, once every 16 days, the uh, people involved in uh, child care get together and do divination, how they can prove what they're doing. The people involved in the legal profession get together and figure out how they can prove what they're doing. The people who are healers get together. I mean, there's ways to to create egg bays that transcend the idea of Orisha and that really address the needs of the community as it's configured wherever you live, understand? Right, and I understand. Then, and then every 91 days, which uh, lines up not with the four-day cycle, but lines up with the solstice and equinoxes, the entire community comes together to invoke good fortune for the next uh, 91 days. Now, the way this, this is this is the key to creating the better world and a key to overcoming the uh, challenges of living in what I believe is the fascist environment at this point. And, and every 91 days, Ifa has the methodology and the tools for invoking Ela as a spirit form that comes to Earth without necessarily animating or speaking through a human being. In other words, Ela comes, everybody in the egg bay can see it, and then, based on the divination for the next three months, the invocations of the Riki that are said causes Ela, which is pure, unformed consciousness, to shape-shift 
into the spiritual form that is necessary for preserving uh, uh, good fortune. We're not doing that in the diaspora. We've got the single most powerful ritual tool available to human beings, and we're not using it because we're arguing about who knows how to do Ocha right, what goes inside an issue. You know, uh, it is uh, follows an idiot. I mean, all kinds of conversations that have nothing to do with the real work of in, what 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 uh, traditional elders and Ifa call seeding a la well in your community. We have not seeded a la, so we do not have access to the single most potent tool in our toolkit with regard to transforming society as a whole. And I need to say this too: we will never see a la well until that the, the uh, Egbe Iami is fully seated and fully functional and doing what they need to be doing to make sure that a la uh, manifests. Ifa, uh, based, on, listen, based on my reading of uh, Ifa scripture and based on some of my experience in Africa and based on virtually none of my experience in the diaspora, Ifa is predicated on the notion of gender equity. Because gender equity is a reflection of gender balance in nature, and if our rituals do not reflect nature, then they're just meaningless gestures that have no impact on the real world. I am saying that if we are able to make use of the wisdom of the ancestors that they've shown us with regard to how to invoke the spirit of Ela, we can change physical reality, literally change the environment we live in, because because our because we're the effect of uh, divide and conquer, rather than coming together to study, share knowledge, uh, uh, really dialogue serious and important issues, and to really come together and say, oh, look, I tried this to fix that problem. How did you fix that problem? Did this work? Did that work? Those are the conversations we need to be having. But instead of having those conversations, people are pretending to be powerful and then making stuff up. That is uh, a path that will lead us to the death of our faith because it's going to destroy the ancestral wisdom that's been preserved by thousands of years, which is now being replaced by just utter foolishness that has no basis in reality, fact, or tradition. Once we get our toe on the road to healing and elevation, we need to put both feet on that road by taking seriously the study of uh, the wisdom of the answers. I can't tell how many people I've seen do stuff that I thought, well, gosh, that was strange. Why did you do that? Well, I did divination and it said that this was okay. No, that doesn't work. Ifa says specifically, you do not ask what you already know. And that admonition and that taboo does not refer to what you know. It refers to what someone knows. So if your elder knows the answer to the question, and rather than go to the elder, you prefer to divine on it, I guarantee you're going to get the wrong answer. I guarantee it. Odu Ifa says you're going to get the wrong answer. Pay attention. Look at what the ancestors are trying to tell us. Do not ask what you already know. Doing divination is not the alternative to serious study. Doing divination is not the alternative to absorbing the wisdom of the ancestors. Now, once we've learned a thing, we can certainly use divination to fine-tune it, and we can use divination to... Uh, see if we need to modify it to a current situation which may be unique. But we do not use divination to reinvent the wheel. That makes no sense. There's no there's no there's no value in that and there's no um inherent ashe in that's gonna move our community forward in any way.